This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, this is Jan. Welcome back to the Langpreneur podcast. How was your week? I hope that you've had a productive week. Um, I hope that you've made tons of progress in your business. And let me just ask you, how much have you worked in your business? And how much have you worked on your business last week? Don't remember that if we want to grow our businesses, we have to work on the business, right? So if you have difficulties finding the time to work on your business, then make sure to block out, you know, a morning even if it's just one morning per week, you know, so that you can spend time working on your business and uh, on growth. Because, well, if you want to grow, you have to grow. <laughs> you have to invest time and, uh, yeah, work on those activities that make the business grow, right? And, uh, yeah, I actually came up with this after a discussion with somebody in our group coaching program called Langpreneur Accelerator. Uh, we had a session last week. Tuesday and this person you know like we have a participant who had been listening to the podcast and uh, she was like you know at the beginning when she started she was like you know so listen to the podcast and she was like well I'm gonna do the thing I'm gonna have a successful business I'm gonna make tons of money in just a few months from now but most of the Langpreneurs you know first struggle for months and often for years until they start making money right I mean yeah some of the guests that I've been interviewing here on the show came became successfully quite quickly but most of them had to invest you know many years into content creation and figuring out you know what the business is figuring out what works what products and services and topics resonate with their audience so that's also the topic of today's interview uh, because today we are talking to Justin, he's one of the co-founders of Real Life English. And uh, well, Real Life English now has a huge a huge audience um, with over 3 million people. They have a YouTube channel with over 3 million subscribers. Um, but they've tried so many things in the past. They, well, they had two YouTube channel, channels and they still actually do have those two YouTube channels. An app, um, meetup events, a blog podcast they tried so many things and for the first not really sure but i think like for the first five years they weren't profitable at all they couldn't take out any salary but yeah more recently they they just found their focus and they started focusing on the things that were working and now after many years they finally have um it finally came to the point where the business is, is successful, is growing, and where it's providing an income as well. So lots of things to be learned from Justin. I actually got to meet Justin about uh, yeah about six years ago in 2014 in Brazil. At the time, I was learning Brazilian Portuguese in Brazil, and uh, I was in the city of Belo Horizonte. And uh, yeah, I had a friend and he introduced me to Justin. So hadn't spoken to Justin for six years. But yeah, really, it was really good to catch up with him and to learn about all the things that he, that he has learned about online business in the meanwhile. And uh, yeah, he's going to share everything with us here on the podcast. So um, 
just before we get started with the interview, I wanted to share with you that on the 24th of November, like in a month from now, we are relaunching our coaching program. So if you're at a point in your language business where you, you know, where you can use some expert help from me, but also of other community members, then make sure to go to langpreneur.com forward slash coaching and see how you can enroll for our coaching programs. Um, f- you know, if you're getting started or if you're not making a full-time living yet, we have a group coaching program, but we also have one-on-one coaching for those of you who are already making um, a full-time living and you want, you know, you want to scale your business. Um, so again, go to langpreneur.com forward slash coaching. We're getting started on the 24th of November. So make sure to sign up now. There are limited spots and uh, yeah, you will have to apply. So langpreneur.com forward slash coaching. Sign up and then I will get in touch with you very soon. If you're listening to this episode after the deadline, then uh, you can still go there and sign up. Then we will put you in the ma- on the waiting list and let you know next time we open up the program, right? So yeah, looking forward to seeing you there. As for now, let's get started. Here is my in- interview with Justin Murray of Real Life English. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Justin, welcome to the Langpreneur podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do. Hey, Jan, great to see you again. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am an English teacher. I have experience teaching English, but I have a business. I co-founded a business with my partner, Ethan Wanger. It's called Real Life English. And so Real Life English is the brand, the company, and we also have an app that we're building. But the central hub is a website, and that website basically is, is a place where it's connected to all of our channels. So we have two YouTube channels, a podcast, we have a blog with hundreds of articles and many other pieces of content, MP3, and in audio and video and in text format. And our biggest channel right now is Learning English TV series. It's a YouTube channel with, I think we just, we just broke 3 million subscribers. And that, that channel is going really nicely. It's definitely like in the center of everything we're doing. We also have another channel called Real Life English, which we didn't have for a long time. We, did, we hadn't been publishing for three years because we've been focusing on learning English TV series. And, but now we just rebooted this recently and it's growing quite nicely. Wow. Yeah. And just for our listeners, the first time we met Justin, you know, I don't know Justin through the internet or through the channels. The first time we met was actually... Uh, through a, a friend in Brazil, it was like five or six years ago, I don't even remember. Um, I spent a few months in Brazil, I wanted to learn some Brazilian Portuguese and then, you know, we had this friend in common, it was Gustavo, and he said, you know, I have, I have American friends, or there was also an Australian friend, and, um, and those guys are running a project here and they're throwing these events, the real-life English meetups, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they suggested me to come, so that's where we actually get to know for the first time, and we haven't really talked um you know after ever since and so i was really happy to read your message last week you say hey um cool i i've been looking at at the podcast and uh, yeah let's do this so i think it was about time to uh, to catch up again yeah um, totally <laughs> bring us take us back to when we met that that time it was like five six years ago i know that you guys i think you guys already had a youtube channel but you also um spending a lot of time organizing these events. What was the business like five or six years ago? 
Yeah, actually, I think it was like 2012. So 2012, 2014. Yeah, like uh, we, we hung out a few times in, in that time period, but we were organizing events and we were creating our blog. So basically, we saw ourselves as community organizers and we organized events in Belo Horizonte, Brazil. And that's kind of how we started off. We started off with this idea of like, let's launch a blog, let's launch a school, let's do a events. But we never ended up launching the school really, but we, we, we launched these events and they were really great. We had like these parties at bars with hundreds of people speaking English, real life English. We did games and it was this amazing thing. And we ended up um, organizing events, creating partnerships with people in other cities as well around the world. And we were doing that for a while. And then you ended up meeting us at that point and you attended some parties and we hung out a few times in, in other scenarios. But that's kind of where we were at. We were publishing maybe like three articles per week. I had a I, I co-founded with two people, one of them who's no longer on the team right now, but we were publishing three articles per week in English and we translated those to Portuguese as well. So we were basically publishing content on the blog every day for two years. And basically it just it started trickling in the traffic at the beginning, but then it just started growing and growing. And we you know, went from like a few thousand a day to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands. And kind of the base, the springboard of that was that community, the parties that we were doing, and the ideas that we had for the blog as well. It's having those conversations, teaching English at the time as well. And we created a Facebook group that had a few hundred people in there to organize the events. But as we started the blog, more and more people came in internationally. And that was just a really important uh, base for spreading the blog and, and, and growing your audience. Yeah, so you said you guys were publishing three articles per week. Were you writing all the articles yourself? Yep. So basically, th there were three of us. Actually, at points, we, there was another, we had another person on our team who ended up like leaving. We had a few people come in and out. But yeah, so basically an article every day, if you include the Portuguese translation that we were doing. And yeah, that, that really helped the growth. Oh, and the events, was that, did you promote the event through the blog or was that, was that a separate channel? Was it word of mouth? Uh, it was, we promoted it through the blog and through a mailing list that we had started as well, but it was kind of separate. This is one of the things we ended up um, discontinuing the events a few years later. They were very successful in their own right, but we didn't really, we weren't really successful building a business around them. And, and maybe like we were too, we weren't really focused. We were doing too many things at, one, at the same time. Do you think that the events could have been a business potentially? Because I know a few other guys in the language learning space who organize, you know, like language learning exchanges, meetups. Do you think that it's possible to turn it into a business or how do you compare that versus an online business? Oh, definitely. I think like looking at now, especially, we didn't really know how to do it. And maybe we kind of felt guilty charging money. I mean, we, we charged money at that point, but we actually donated it to a charity and we didn't have a strong business at that point. And I can see definitely like, if I were to go back, you can do workshops and do lots of really great things, retreats and build a business around that. But what we were thinking is like we we did some vision exercises, like really, what do we want to do with this? And so we basically imagined what that end goal was. And it ended up being like this innovative English learning platform and kind of work your way back towards now. So this is where we're at now. How do we build that? And we discovered the startup world. And so the startup world is like technology and you know programming and product development and really we were organizing events we were doing our blog and we were 
applying for these startup programs and really learning how to build a startup. Yeah. So is that is that what you guys did eventually? Is it you know, like you signed up for that startup program? Was that the program in Chile? Yes, there's a program in Chile called Startup Chile. And Startup Chile is a government-funded startup accelerator. And basically, the government rewards 100, I don't know what it is, what is that now, but it was like 100 companies three times per year. You apply, they have thousands of applicants, and basically the top like 5% get in, and they get $40,000 funding. And you move to Chile, you get a visa, and you get all the support in the startup ecosystem. And that was what we did. And honestly, we didn't have like a strong business. We had a really strong blog audience. We had a podcast. We had a mailing list. We had launched a few products. And we were organizing those events. And even in Chile, we continued organizing those events. And that was kind of a big mistake because we were just doing too many things. <laughs> so what was the pitch at that event? Why do you think you won the... Uh, well, how do you call it? It's not really a scholarship, right? The, the funds, uh, the funding. Well, I mean, to, to create a startup, you have to have a, a an, what's called an MVP. So a minimal viable product. And we had an MVP that we partnered with somebody to create. And if you have users on it, and basically you apply to these programs and you have, they look at your team, they look at your pitch, they look to see if you have traction, if you have basically something that shows that you have potential to be successful. And having like a programmer in our team, that was really important. Even that programmer that we had in our team didn't last very long, but, and even the platform that we had built at that moment didn't last very long. Yeah. So, so what is what was the vision at the time for for the platform? What was the pitch? Um, well, basically, it's a social social network for English learners that where you can chat with people and via text chat, video chat. We what we ended up building actually we we trashed that project at the beginning, and we started over, and we built. It's kind of like speed dating for English learners without the romantic contention. So, kind of like chat roulette without like. <laughs> I don't know what what you imagine, <laughs> or the perversion that you often see on chat roulette, because it's we're repurposing that that tool of like randomly connecting with English learners, so you can log in, press a button, and you connect with somebody from around the world. And so we did this. We launched this platform, and it took us like ten months to develop it. And we were funded by by the Chilean government to build this, and we launched it. To our audience and it was great it was very successful like we had 20,000 users in six months people using it all the time people loving it people finding value in it and but the money ran out we launched another course and that money funded the, to finish it but that money ran out and and so we had this live platform we were putting people on it but we weren't evolving it like we didn't have the developer we didn't have designers and we were teaching English we were teaching classes we were publishing content again we were doing too much we were doing events and this platform was live and we weren't improving it we weren't like really looking to discover our business model so while we got this validation the success we failed because we weren't great entrepreneurs for uh, startup entrepreneurs so what, what, what do you do from there you, you stop the platform or, or you you started something else or you like did you continue with the teaching yeah, we, we, we were teaching. We actually applied for another platform and we scrapped that platform. I mean, I'm sorry, we applied for another startup accelerator and we got in and got more funding and we scrapped that first. This is a total mistake. And so we got into this other accelerator called Seed Minas and things didn't go very well. Just the way that we developed the product, we made a lot of mistakes and we didn't even 
leave the program with a, with a product. So very naive, very young. And we came to this moment where it was like, okay, well, we have all this content we're publishing. We have a course. We have a couple courses, actually. And, but we're not really making money. And we were just learning even to to teach through our platform. Before that, we were teaching English to private students in Belo Horizonte. And, but, so one of our co-founders left. It was a hard moment. He moved back to Australia. And cost of living is a lot more there. And he was just like, okay, I'm done with this. But during Seed Minas, that startup accelerator, we... We had launched a course called Fluent with Friends, which teaches English through the TV series Friends. And our first launch, we sold like a few hundred courses to an audience of 20,000. This is like 2015. We used that money to finish the platform. And during Seed Minas, that startup accelerator, we, we were like, hey, well, you know, the course Fluent with Friends was just PDFs and like flashcards and a bunch of stuff like that. And we were like, okay, well, what would this be like in video format? Could we actually create like a video teaching English with friends or TV series or something? So we created a prototype, like one video, showed it to a few people, made some adjustments. And we didn't want to put it on the Real Life English channel, so we just threw it up on another channel. And called, we called it Learn English TV Series. And because we didn't want to like have copyright problems with a Real Life English channel. And so like we just published it, forgot about it, and then like... A month later, we like looked and there was a thousand subscribers. Really? With just one video? Mm-hmm. And what was the video? It was like a, like a TV series that you produced by yourself? No, basically, we just took a scene from the TV series Friends and we, we created a lesson out of it. Okay so, okay, so can you actually use content from other series put on your YouTube channels and, and not have any trouble with, with copyright and all that stuff? Yeah, you, you have to be careful, I mean, about how you do it, like, because YouTube has filters and, and you know, algorithms that, and, and really like the regulations of this are kind of changing. But right now, there's a, there's a law called fair use. And with fair use, you can take copyrighted material and repurpose that for educational purposes if you follow some certain rules. And this is what we did. We did this for a few videos and YouTube reciprocated with sending us traffic and growth. And at first it was, you know, maybe a few hundred subscribers per day. And then we started publishing regularly and then we saw some really great feedback. Well, and what do you do with all the other projects that you were working on at the time? You just abandoned them or? Well, that startup accelerator had ended at some point. So we were continuing sort of to work on it, right? And our podcast, this is the thing, we have a podcast with 200 episodes. We we weren't publishing blog content at that point. We we're continuing with the Real Life English YouTube channel and Chad had left, one of the co-founders. And so Ethan and I, at one point, pretty soon after we, we decided like, hey, we're doing all this stuff. This is just too much and let's focus. And so we we decided that the best, highest potential channel was learning with TV series. It was doing really well. We had had a couple days or a couple weeks that had over a thousand subscribers per day. And we weren't really publishing so regularly. We had maybe like a dozen videos up or I don't know, maybe a little bit more. And so we ended up bringing back a team member who had helped us produce the courses and to, to edit videos. And that would help us because he would that would be his job to edit the videos. And we started just making that commitment to do it every week. Yeah. 
Well, it sounds like that's a typical example of, or that you're a typical example of somebody, you know, who just tries lots of different things, right? And, you know, everybody is asking myself, what is the number one thing? How can I be successful? But sometimes you just have to try lots of stuff, right? And it sounds like you've been trying a lot of stuff with, in, with all these startups, the blog, the podcast, YouTube, the platforms. Um, so what the was events. the biggest <laughs> the events, of course. So what was the biggest lesson there that that you need focus, or that you just need to try lots of things, or what was like the main thing that you learned from all those years? Well, I, I definitely think focus is a big thing. Focus is huge. That's that's probably the biggest lesson. I would say, uh, like right now, we're we're developing an app. We've sort of rescued that startup, and so looking at that startup experience, I would say like we were very lucky at first. We created a product, great product. We launched it, very inexperienced but we are inexperienced caught up to us. And so I would say like having a good team around you because when you're building a startup product, like a, a technological product, you need people, you need a developer, you need a designer, you need somebody to, who really understands how to develop products to be on your team to help you develop this. Because like that platform that we built, it was live for six months so we didn't update a single thing and the code, was deprecating. So we had to hire somebody to come and fix it, but it's they're kind of like band-aids on the deeper problems, you know what I mean? Because technology is something you need to constantly update. You need somebody working on it, fixing it, evolving it. Not to mention like the product. If you have a traction, if you have users, you want to evolve it. You want to understand those users. You want to study the problem, study the solution, understand how to make make it something much better. Yeah. So is this the main project that you're focusing on now, the YouTube channel and the platform where people can learn with uh, the TV series? Yeah, well, basically, we went through a period where our business was struggling and that YouTube channel, Learning English TV series, it became like a direct channel to that course, Fluent with Friends. And we ended up building a really great uh, sales funnel. And basically, because any product you have, you have the product, you need to reach people and you need a, a, a sales mechanism, right? So we discovered marketing automation. That was another big discovery in that time period. Like we were before that we were doing like a, a Weber, like back in that day, there were a lot of tools that didn't have marketing automation. It was basically like you sign up for an email list and there's a set sequence of emails that you receive and it wasn't very smart, but we kind of discovered that you have much smarter tools. When, when you know you can measure if they click on this and they get this tag and they go on this list and this has become more and more standard but back in 2015 to 2016 that was something that was more new and it was very very expensive yeah so when was it that you started focusing on the um the uh, the youtube channel it was 2017 i believe and 2018 it was like going on for a long time we had nice growth we got up to like uh maybe 700 subscribers per day and we it was kind of plateauing for a long time and we ended up uh, bringing on some new people with some design skills and we started experimenting a lot because we had the same format with the videos but we started experimenting this is another big lesson it's like if you're doing the same thing constantly you're stagnant so we just experimented and we saw some really great results some things didn't work but we got really great results and so things that did work and we started really doubling down on the things that did work. And then we started publishing, we went from one video per day or per week to two videos per week. We jumped up to a few thousand subscribers per, per week or per day, sorry. 
and then we started doing three and it doubled again so now we're at like between like five and seven thousand subscribers per day per day mm -hmm. <laughs> so how does the how does the business work then people sign up or people watch a youtube channel they, they they sign up for for your newsletter or for a lead magnet i guess and then what happens after they go to your website we have a master class and basically another thing that we learned back in the day which we didn't really do a great job of applying we learned we studied the product lunch formula by Jeff Walker. Have you heard of this? Yeah, but just for the listeners, you can give a quick uh, explanation of how it works. So the Jeff, Jeff Walker's product launch formula, basically he, he teaches this formula, which is basically like when you're launching a product, you need to build anticipation, create an event, and you tell a story, and ultimately you like three classes. That's this formula. So you create three classes, very high value. You spend a lot of time on this something that people are really going to enjoy. You embed in that, in those classes, sales triggers. So you, you really, you educate your audience, you tell a great story, you understand their hopes and fears and, and pains and desires, and you build authority, you build social proof, you build scarcity in this launch, you deliver value and you sell. And so we had launched a couple products like this. And I think like 2014, we had a list of a few thousand. We, we made $1,500 in lunch, which we invested back in the business. And then actually before that, we, we did a launch where we made like um, a few hundred to a few hundred dollars, like 10 sales or something. And then our third lunch, we maybe we had like 5,000 uh, emails and we, we made $4,500. And then the Fluence with Friends launch, which we used to fund the, the startup, that, that technological platform, we had a list of 20000 and we made $10,000 off of that. And that went straight back into the business as well. So you but, also reinvested all the money that you made? Yeah, actually, we didn't pay ourselves from 2012, 2017. We didn't pay ourselves anything. The only time we received money, actually, was like when we got that funding from the startup accelerator. So all the money we made was like it was, and we were working full time on it, but... It was definitely like a long march to get to the point where we had a profitable, profitable, successful business. But those lessons, the product launch formula was really important because basically we, we use those principles to build the masterclass that we're using today. It's evergreen. So we created an evergreen version of that, basically. Yeah. Which, which is a webinar? The masterclass? It's, no, basically it's, you know, we created like three just really... Uh, well-refined classes offering sam samples of our course that basically like tell that story and and really embed those triggers and we offer samples of the course and we use marketing automation to deliver that yeah so the three-part video series right so people opt in and then over the span of a week you send them three videos and then by the end you say by the way if you want to join our program you need to sign up today or something then you give them a deadline and then you you sell them a course or what is the product that you are pitching there it's that course that we created in 2015 called fluent with friends basically it's like a 48-week course that teaches the first two seasons of the, of the tv series friends basically we don't provide friends we don't provide the tv series but we provide ample materials around this so if you have a tv series you can study you can learn all the vocabulary all the the connected speech how natives really speak and and flashcards and we even have some videos from actually that are uh from youtube as well that are on unlisted on youtube 
So we have discovered the uh, <laughs> we have discovered the business, right? Which is the YouTube channel, which then leads to the three-part video series or the masterclass, and then to the product. Now, besides this funnel, like, are you still doing other things, like the podcast, and are you still doing other activities, or and why? Yeah, so that was the thing. We 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 kind of like decided to focus on learning with TV series, and then we built a team. <laughs> So like the business started thriving because we actually built like a sales funnel that would work and that would repeat the same results. Because before the product launch formula, we, it took like a month to create a course, to create the three-part masterclass, and then you launch it, and then it's done. <laughs> and that's a lot of work to put in for just for a month. But if you create something that you can repeat, so basically we started focusing on that channel and we got to the point where the business was doing well enough and we started hiring other people. And we we're like, okay, it's under control. Now let's go back to Real Life English. Now let's go back to our podcast. Now let's go back to the, the Real Life English YouTube channel. And part of that is just the uncertainty in the future over, I don't know how long, we don't really know how long we can keep publishing this, this, these videos on YouTube because there's a, there's a law called uh, Article 17. And this is like a YouTube copyright. It's, it's actually like a, it's a law for the European Union that the tech platforms are gonna have to do a better job of policing like some of this copyrighted content. And that's, so it's really about diversifying here. So you have like one business that, or one business model or one, one, one funnel which you're working, but then besides that, you also just want to keep growing uh, real life English, YouTube channel and not the events anymore, I guess. Mm -hmm. And on the side of that, because before it's like we were depending on external funding to build the technological platform. And so, we failed a few times. There were some gems and some success in there, a lot of learning, and but we were dependent on external money. So we didn't actually give any equity to our business. That's a nice thing about those programs. They don't take equity. A lot of these investment programs, you actually have to give equity, and that's it kind of sucks because you're giving part of your business, but we never actually gave part of our business. And But now it's like coming back, like our business is thriving. So we hired developers and and a UX designer and we're actually back at that and we have something really exciting coming up this app that we're it's kind of like integrates what we learned before what we launched before but something that's a lot more promising from a business point of view yeah so how big is the team and uh, you, you're still based in Brazil right are you working with people online or also in person uh, this is actually one of the things that changed when we were, when we started we were it was Chad and I my co-founder and Ethan, uh, the third co-founder, he was living in Barcelona, and so Chad left. Ethan, he still lives in Barcelona. We actually went totally remote. Ethan, who was like this, he was just playing this very big supporting role before, uh, but now he's like the YouTube presenter on Learning English TV series, and he's really like learned his craft. He's just he's kick ass right now. It's like he's he's becoming like an animal on YouTube, and so he's learned all these. Uh, presentation and YouTube algorithm and, and he's guided this team. Basically we have a team of video producers and like a whole content pipeline of how to pick the best videos and everything. But so we were, it was Chad and I working together before from Brazil, but then when he left, we became a remote team and kind of when this COVID thing hit and the world's like, Hey, remote um, is this new thing? We were like, we can teach you a few lessons because we've been doing, doing this for a while. We have, you know, building a team, we have thir uh, 12 people right now and we have another three people that we're about to hire right now. And 
you know, we use Slack and we use uh, video conferencing and lots of online tools to build build a really amazing company. Yeah, so you're really doing everything online now. Absolutely, it's 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 really advantageous in some sense because you can build a global team. You can go anywhere. You can hire from anywhere as long as the time zones uh, line up. And this is what we've done. Like we've another really important lesson that we learned is hiring. Like we hired some people early on. It's like a lot of people don't know how to hire. It's like we didn't know how to hire. We hired our friends, recommendations, but we didn't really have a great process for it. And we read a book called Who. And Who is a book about like how to hire like the top 5% of people that will have a 90, 95% chance of success. And so basically it's this model where you, if you want to hire somebody, you clarify exactly what you want. You create like what's the mission for that role? What's, what are the outcomes? You really get a clear idea in your mind of what that is. You find a way to source. You get you want to get like a lot of people. So kind of what we say is like, let's get 100 people to apply for this role. 100 qualified people. And from there, you can, you know, take the top 20%, have a short call with them, try to get a feel. And then for the top, you know, th- three to five people, you just, you have a longer interview and you dig in, you really understand their work history. And you really try to find the best person for that role. So this is something we've done. And since we since we started that, we've hired great people, and and all of our hires have been awesome on the money. And before that, like we really struggled. We've hired people; they weren't performing. We had to let them go. Sorry, we had to let them go, and it was just not optimal. So it's really worth to take the time and actually you know, really try hard to get lots of uh, people sign up, and then take the time to sur- first survey them, interview them. Absolutely. If you don't do that, then it's really painful when you don't have somebody who's working out. <laughs> You've started lots of different projects um, in the startup world. What do you think is, what are some of the most important things when it comes to launching a startup and, and succeeding? Well, I mean, we still haven't succeeded. I mean, talk to me in six months or a year and let's let's see how we're doing with the startup that we're doing, this technological product. But I think we're doing pretty well. And, you know, I've been through several of these projects, but I would say at the beginning, there are some fundamentals that you need to go back to. There's a book called The Lean Startup. Uh, this is a book that's revolutionary and that a lot of big businesses use today. Actually, it's kind of this, this you know, you need to really understand your audience and uh, build a prototype and talk to people and use like a business model canvas, for example, and really go through a very fixed process and discover your solution ultimately, because a lot of times we have this vision of what we want. And I've made this mistake a lot of times and and sometimes it's worked out and sometimes it doesn't, but it's probably a mistake if you just have this vision and you're going to build it and you don't really go talk to people. It's, it's nice when you can actually like verify that, that you're solving a real problem and that your solution is something that people want. And so you can interview people, talk with people. So that's, that's a really big lesson. I think what's also interesting is that, I mean, you've, you've launched all these different startups. You know, some of them had to do a lot with technology, so quite complicated. You need to hire developers. And then eventually what turns out to be the most successful, at least so far, from what I understand, is the actual YouTube channel, which is something relatively simple, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I kind of look at like YouTube as, as a different animal in some sense. Like in the startup world, there's really this 
this high rate of, of failure, but the people that succeed are super successful. They're really, really successful. But a lot of the people in the startup world, they're working on these products, and but they're working on the product first. They're not building the audience, right? They're not building the audience where we came from the world of like, of building an audience, creating value, creating courses, creating content, really helping people, this community-driven approach. And that kind of gives you the ability to extract your product from that audience. So I would say it's safer in some sense because like what we're doing right now, it's like we're able to have more attempts to be successful with this. So, but at the same time, it's like it, it is high risk in some sense if you don't know what you're doing. Because a lot of times it's like you, you depend on external funding, right? You go into debt, you need to look for investors. A lot of times another big thing is like there's this archetype of like a, a successful startup team is like you need three archetypes. So the, the hacker, which is the technology person, the hipster, the person that makes the, the product look beautiful, and the, and the hustler who sells it. So the hacker, the hipster, and the hustler. So that's kind of like the archetype of that team. You don't need all three, but you need that, that skill set on your team. So if you are thinking about building a startup and you have one of those and you need to find the other two, if you don't have those, then you really need to find people who can complement compliment you with those skills. Yeah. You've learned a lot about online business over the years. Um, well, lots you learn by just you know, trial and error. How important has networking been for you or taking courses or? Well, I think having Co-founders, having a, a co-founder who who will accompany me on this path, that's huge. Because in some sense, like we've formed our own little mastermind where we're constantly learning and reading books and bringing new ideas and ch questioning each other, questioning what we're doing. And so it's like having somebody there to share with what you're doing is, is really important. Um, besides that, like going into that that startup accelerator, Startup Chile, it's, there are hundreds of entrepreneurs and we learn so much from people. Like all these people who have launched products and businesses and been very successful and we've asked so much for help for advice even like in this, throughout the years i go back to those people talk with them call them be like hey I, I need help here can you help me out like um really understand what i'm going through and solve this problem and i would say like just just like listening to your podcast as well this is like another thing is like uh it's really important to hear people who have gone on that same journey, you're always getting, even if a lot of the things become common sense, you're always getting gems and tips and, and, and things that, that make you think, think about things differently and which ultimately might become a very big key to success. Hmm. What would you say to you know, somebody who gets started, has a platform, maybe gets some traction or has a, a fair amount of visitors every month, but the person is struggling to collect email addresses or to, to sell courses? What would you recommend to that person? Because, I mean, it took you quite a few years until you found something that took off, right? I would say focus is one thing, just going back to that idea. But also, if you're struggling to get email emails, then maybe the emails that you do get, talk to them. Understand them. Try to get in contact with the people who are actually like consuming the stuff that you're creating. And maybe if, if you can't if you're having a hard time if people don't want to talk to you if you're not solving a real problem maybe you should go back to understand what the problem is you're solving and just question that because if if, you, if, you're, if you're getting traction you should be able to do that if you're getting visitors you should there should be a problem that you're solving people that you can talk to that can guide you yeah so the business fundamentals are 
are the same, right? In the startup world, but also in the world of online business and you know having an audience and monetizing that audience. It's always about solving a problem and and talking to your customers better, understand them, what they are struggling with, how much they 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 are willing to pay for a solution, mm-hmm. and create something. And create There's something. this model. Of, have you ever heard of the the thousand true fans by Kevin Kelly? Yeah. So it's this model of like, okay, you can build any business if you have a thousand true fans, right? So this is like from the ground up, a thousand true fans, a hundred customers and 10 clients. So a lot of times if you're starting a business and you're building an audience and you're not making enough money, you can, you can actually create more high friction consulting with those people, provide value more on a one-on-one basis. If you haven't really gotten to the point where you can automate that and create courses, you can get that one-on-one and that's great because you can actually make a living in what you're doing at that moment. And for me, for us, this is like teaching English to people constantly, re-engaging with that problem, taking our solutions and showing this to them and really understanding them. And from there, once you understand, once you really have your finger on the pulse, you you have something of value to offer and you can automate that and create courses. And then from there, you get your hundred clients, right? And then that becomes the base for the thousand and that scales up to tens of thousands and even more. Yeah. So you just mentioned that the YouTube channel has now 3 million subscribers. Again, what was the name of the channel? It's called Learn English with TV Series. Learn English with, with TV Series. Are you still talking to those, to those people? Well, if, if you're speaking with people on, on that level, it's much different. We're, we're still talking with customers, actually. We're doing surveys and we're interviewing people. We're choosing people to interview, but uh, it becomes surveys a lot of times. Like, for example, YouTube has this community feature and we have some ideas for what we think might be successful and then we'll do a poll right <laughs> on, on the youtube community and okay well you know if, if some of our best lessons have come out of that poll we just ask people okay what do you want to what do you want to learn about and this is great because they get to participate as well are you still working for for that for, for that business i mean except for managing the people because it's quite, it, it's an automated business, right? I mean, you have somebody who publishes the videos and the funnel is there, it's all automated. Are you still, like, how much of your time you spend on that project? Well, I mean, this is the great thing about having a co-founder because Ethan, he's there leading this team and hiring great people. And so that never really goes away. I'm still, still spending a lot of time on this. Leading is not something that really goes away. So as you build a company, that stays there. I'm working more on the product, on the product team, um, hiring and also consulting with Ethan on what he's doing from a higher level, but we're building an organization. But so definitely we're constantly working on that, hiring people, good people who have the skills, leading people who, who can really understand how the funnel works, how this technology works, how, how marketing automation works, how to create impactful sales messages so that we can scale what we're doing across different channels. Not just that Learn English TV series channel, but also on Real Life English channel, like that channel. Like I said, we rebooted that a few months ago, two months ago, and we already grew from 55,000 subscribers to 104,000 today, I think. And in, in, in how much time? In six weeks or something. Six weeks? How do you do that? <laughs> well, the channel was like dormant. We had hundreds of videos on that channel, but the quality wasn't that great. It was kind of like the, we had people trickling in for a long time. We stopped and we we focused on learning for TV series. We got really great video producers, audiovisual designers, and we improved the quality of what we were doing. And then 
basically when we went back to real life English, we were on a completely new level. So we're publishing videos that were exponentially better than we had before. And so, and also like, I think it helps because we can market across the channels as well. So one project is helping the other. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, we are, yeah, we're coming to the end of this interview. What are your, like the top, top three tips or, or like some of the things that you want to share with people who are um, an aspiring Langpreneur and still in the early stages of their business? Well, I'd say at the beginning, maybe treat it like a sandbox. Treat your, your whatever project you have. Like we had the fortune of like Real Life English has been the same brand, but it's been like many different faces, many different projects. And if you can synergize the different phases of those projects, like we've had beginning, we do one thing and then we do another thing, but ultimately there's kind of this synergy throughout. I think that's really important to treat it as an experiment, constantly experiment. Another thing, this is kind of a cliche in the business world, kind of like stop working in your business and, and work on it. Kind of like stepping outside of your business and working on the vision, going back to that, like, what do you really want to create? What's the mission? What's the vision? And so, so if you want to attract people to that, because you, if you want to create something really great, you can be a solopreneur and great. But if you want to build a team, you need something compelling. It's like you need something that moves people, that people find inspiring and interesting, and not just like people you work with, but whoever you're selling that product to, as well. To create that value in the product, really, it's like you need to inject inspiration in it. Mm -hmm. Then the number one failures that you have seen people around you who started a similar project? That's a really good question. Uh, maybe people aren't really, they don't really know themselves. They don't really know like what they want to do. Maybe they, 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 they'll do something, they'll go into it, just copy other people and won't, they won't really have their own authentic purpose for it and their own authentic connection to that, to that solution. Maybe it's not the right solution for them. And so there's go and copy and, and that's not really a sustainable venture because eventually they're going to run out of gas. They're, gonna, they're not going to be ultimately successful. Are you at a point where you feel you need some expert help? Then make sure to check out our Langpreneur coaching programs at langpreneur.com forward slash coaching. For now, thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.